Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this, in this episode we're going to read chapters 42 to 43 and in the previous episode we read chapters 40 to 41. Now in that episode, um, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, highly recommend you go check it out. It was a pretty intense chapter. But basically we had gone from uh, seeing Leo, Frank, and Hazel um, after having that ominous message from Gaia about the rest of their teammates and how they're doing, showing how Annabeth is currently a little bit on the struggle bus in fighting against Arachne, and how uh, Gaia was showing the misfortunate future that Percy, Piper, and Jason may end up going into. But hopefully that all, all of that will be uh, be able to be prevented so we left off with Leo telling Frank and uh, Hazel that he has a plan still don't know what the plan is yet but uh, right after when we moved to the next chapter Piper uh, Piper Jason and Percy uh, weren't really sure whether Nico was going to be safe today or not and they really didn't want to lose any, uh, take any chances as well. So they also decided to go ahead and save Nico, or at least join Frank, Hazel, and Leo in their quest to uh, save Nico from dying. So now we're gonna see how the rest of Piper's and the and the rest of the group's journey goes, and see if they actually get to meet Leo, and maybe if that misfortunate future that was shown on Piper's knife slash dagger was actually shown. So now we're going to read chapter 42, Piper. Finding the palace was easy. Percy led them right to it, on an abandoned stretch of hillside overlooking the ruined forum. Getting in was easy too. Jason's gold sword cut through the padlock, and metal gate creaked open. No mortal saw them. No alarms went off. Stone steps spiraled down into the gloom. I'll go first, Jason said. No! Piper yelped. Both boys turned toward her. Pipes, what is it? Jason asked. That image in the blade. You've seen it before, haven't you? She nodded, her eyes stinging. I... I didn't know how to tell you. I saw the room down there filling with water. I saw the three of us drowning. Jason and Percy both frowned. I can't drown. Percy said, though he sounded like he was asking a question. Maybe the future has changed, Jason speculated. In the image you showed us just now, there wasn't any water. Piper wished he was right, but she suspected they wouldn't be so lucky. Look, Percy said, I'll check it out first. It's fine. Be right back. Before Piper could object, he disappeared down the stairwell. She counted silently as they waited for for him to come back. Somewhere around 35, she heard his footsteps, and he appeared at the top looking more baffled than relieved. Good news, no water, he said. Bad news, I don't see any exits down there. And, uh, weird news, well, you should see this. They descended cautiously. Percy took the lead, with riptide drawn, Piper followed, and Jason walked behind her, guarding their backs. The stairwell was a crammed corkscrew of masonry, no more than six feet in diameter. Even though Percy had given the all-clear, Piper kept her eyes open for traps with every turn of the stairs. 
She anticipated an ambush. She had no weapon, just the cornucopia on a leather cord over her shoulder. If worse came to worst, the boy's sword wouldn't do much good in such close quarters. Maybe Piper could shoot their enemies with high-velocity smoked hams. As they wound their way underground, Piper saw old graffiti gouged into the stones. Roman numerals, names, and phrases in Italian. That meant other people had been down here more recently than the Roman Empire. But Piper wasn't reassured. If monsters were below, they'd ignore mortals, waiting for some nice, juicy demigods to come along. Finally, they reached the bottom. Percy turned. Watch his last step. He jumped to the floor of the cylindrical room, which was five feet lower than the stairwell. Why would someone design a set of stairs like that? Piper had no idea. Maybe the room and the stairwell had been built during different time periods. She wanted to turn and exit, but she couldn't do that with Jason behind her. And she couldn't just leave Percy down there. She clambered down, and Jason followed. The room was just like she'd seen in Catoptrus's blade. Except there was no water. The curved walls had once been painted with frescoes, which were now faded to eggshell white with only flecks of color. The domed ceiling was about 50 feet above. Around the back side of the room, opposite the stairwell, nine alcoves were carved into the wall. Each niche was about five feet off the floor and big enough for a human-sized statue, but each was empty. The air felt cold and dry. As Percy had said, there were no other exits. All right, Percy raised his eyebrows. Here's the weird part. Watch. He stepped to the middle of the room. Instantly, green and blue light rippled across the walls. Piper heard the sound of a fountain, but there was no water. There didn't seem to be any source of light except for Percy's and Jason's blades. Do you smell the ocean? Percy asked. Piper hadn't noticed at first. She was standing next to Percy, and he always smelled like the sea. But he was right. The scent of salt water and storm was getting stronger, like a summer hurricane approaching. An illusion? She asked. All of a sudden, she felt strangely thirsty. I don't know, Percy said. I feel like there should be water here. Lots of water. But there isn't any. I've never been in a place like this. Jason moved to the row of niches. He touched the bottom shelf of the nearest one, which was just at his eye level. This stone. It's embedded with seashells. This is a nephaeum. Piper's mouth was definitely getting drier. A what? We have one at Camp Jupiter, Jason said, on Temple Hill. It's a shrine to the nymphs. Piper ran her hand along the bottom of another niche. Jason was right. The alcove was studded with cowries, conches, and conchas, conches, and scallops. The seashells seemed to dance in the watery light. They were ice cold to the touch. Piper had always thought of nymphs and friendly spirits, silly and flirtatious, generally harmless. They got along well with the children of Aphrodite. They loved to share gossip and beauty tips. This place, though, didn't feel like the canoe lake back at Camp Half-Blood, or the streams in the woods where Piper normally met nymphs. This place felt unnatural, hostile, and very dry. Jason stepped back and examined the row of alcoves. Shrines like this were all over the place in ancient Rome. 
rich people had them outside their villas to honor nymphs to make sure the local water was always fresh. Some shrines were built around natural springs, but most were man-made. So, no actual nymphs lived here? Piper asked, hopefully. Not sure, Jason said. This place where we're standing would have been a pool with a fountain. A lot of times, if the Nephaim, Nephaim belonged to a demigod, he or she would invite nymphs to live there. If the spirit took up residence, that was considered good luck for the owner, Percy guessed. But it would also bind the nymphs to the new water source, which would be great if the fountain was in a nice sunny park with fresh water pumped in through the aqueducts. But this place has been underground for centuries, Piper guessed, dry and buried. What would happen to the nymphs? The sound of water changed to a chorus of hissing, like ghostly snakes. The rippling light shifted from sea blue and green to purple and sickly lime. Above them, the nine niches glowed. They were no longer empty. Standing in each was a withered old woman, so dried and brilliant they reminded Piper of mummies. Except mummies didn't normally move. Their eyes were dark purple, as if the clear blue water of their life source had condensed and thickened inside them. Their fine silk dresses were now tattered and faded. Their hair had once been piled in curls, arranged with jewels in the style of Roman noblewoman. But now their locks were disheveled and dry as straw. If water cannibals actually existed, Piper thought, this is what they have lo- would have looked, at, looked like. What would happen to the nymphs? Said the creature in the center niche. She was in even worse shape than the others. Her back was hunched like the handle of a pitcher. Her skeletal hands had only the thinnest paper layer of skin. On her head, a battered wreath of golden lures glinted in her roadkill hair. She fixed her purple eyes on Piper. What an interesting question, my dear. Perhaps the nymphs would still be here, suffering, waiting for revenge. The next time that she got a chance, Piper swore she would melt down Catoptris and sell it for a scrap metal. The stupid knife never showed her the whole story. Sure, she'd seen herself drowning, but if she'd realized that nine desiccated zombie nymphs would be waiting for her, she never would have come down here. She considered bolting for the stairs, but when she turned, the doorway had disappeared. Naturally, nothing was there now but a blank wall. Piper suspected it wasn't just an illusion. Besides, she would never make it to the opposite side of the room before the zombie nymphs could jump on them. Jason and Percy stood to either side of her, their swords ready. Piper was glad to have them close, but she suspected their weapons wouldn't do any good. She'd seen what would happen in this room. Somehow, these things were going to defeat them. Who are you? Percy demanded. The central nymph turned her head. Ah, names. We once had names. I was Hagnell, the first of the nine. Piper thought it was a cruel joke that a hag like her would be named Hagnell, but she decided not to say that. The nine... Jason repeated. The nymphs of the shrine, they were always nine niches. Of course, Hagno bared her teeth in a vicious smile. But we are the original nine, Jason Grace. The ones who attended the birth of your father. Jason's sword dipped. You mean Jupiter? You were there when he was born? Zeus, we called him then, Hagno said. Such a squealing help. We attended Rhea in her labor. When the baby arrived, he hit him, we hit him so that his father, Kronos, would not eat him. 
Ah, he had lungs, that baby. It was all we could do to drown out the noise so Kronos could not find him. When Zeus grew up, we were promised eternal honors. But that was in the old country, in Greece. The other nymphs wailed and clawed at their niches. They seemed to be trapped in them, Piper realized, as if their feet were glued to the stone along with the decorative seashells. When Rome rose to power, we were invited here, Hagno said. A son of Jupiter tempted us with favors. A new home, he promised. Bigger and better. No down payment. An excellent neighborhood. Rome will last forever. Forever, the others hissed. We gave in to temptation, Hagno said. We left our simple wells and springs on Mount Lycaeus and moved here. For centuries, our lives were wonderful. Parties, sacrifices in our honor, new dresses and jewelry every week. All the demigods of Rome flirted with us and honored us. The nymphs wailed and sighed. But Rome did not last. Hagno snarled. The aqueducts were diverted. Our master's villa was abandoned and torn down. We were forgotten, buried under the earth. But we could not leave. Our life sources were bound to this place. Our old master never saw fit to release us. For centuries, we have withered here in darkness. Thirsty. So thirsty. The others clawed at their mouths. Piper felt her own throat closing up. I'm sorry for you, she said, trying to use charm speak. That must be that must have been terrible. But we are not your enemies. If we can help you. Oh, such a sweet voice, Agno cried. Such beautiful features. I was once young like you. My voice was as soothing as a mountain stream. But do you know what happens to a nymph's mind when she's trapped in the dark with nothing to feed on but hatred? Nothing to drink but thoughts of violence. Yes, my dear. You can help us. Percy raised his hand. Uh, I'm the son of Poseidon. Maybe I can summon a new water source? Ha! Hagno cried, and the other eight echoed. Ha! Indeed, son of Poseidon, Agno said. I know your father well. Ephialtus and Otis promised you would come. Piper put her hand on Jason's arm for balance. The giants, she said. You're working for them? They are our neighbors. Agno smiled. Their chambers lie beyond this palace, where the aqueduct's water was diverted for the games. Once we have dealt with you... Once you have helped us, the twins have promised we will never suffer again. Hagno turned to Jason. You, child of Jupiter, for the horrible betrayal of your predecessor who brought us here, you shall pay. I know the sky god's powers. I raised him as a baby. Once we nymphs controlled the rain above our wells and springs, when I am done with you, we will have that power again. And Percy Jackson, child of the sea god, from you we will take water, an endless supply of water. Uh, endless? Percy's eyes darted from one nymph to the other. Uh, look, I don't know about endless, but maybe I could spare a few gallons? And you, Piper McLean, Hagno's purple eyes glistened. So young, so lovely, so gifted, with your sweet voice. From you, we will reclaim our beauty. We have saved our last life force for this day. We are very thirsty. From you three, 
We shall drink. All nine niches glowed. The nymphs dis- disappeared and the water poured from their alcoves. Sickly, dark water. Like oil. And that's the end of chapter 42. Well, that certainly was a very fascinating chapter. And I think we are also starting to see more and more of the weaknesses that come with um, the weapons that are with each demigod. Um, As we have been shown in this chapter, Catoptris doesn't necessarily enjoy telling the entire truth when it shows whatever it shows on the blade. And sometimes it can prove to be misleading, as we're seeing right now what's happening with the trio. They eventually would begin to drown. But they just never knew what led to that in the first place. So, after the break, we'll read chapter 43. And after that, we'll read chapter 44. So, stay tuned for that. And maybe go for a few minute break, grab a snack, grab grab some water. Anything you need. And be sure to get ready for these next few chapters. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 43, Piper. Piper needed a miracle, not a bedtime story. But right then, standing in shock as black water poured in around her legs, she recalled the legend Achilles had mentioned. The story of the flood. Not the Noah story, but the Cherokee version that her father used to tell her, with with the dancing ghosts and the skeleton dog. When she was little, she would cuddle next to her dad in his big recliner, She'd gaze out of the windows at the Malibu coastline, and her dad would tell her the story he'd heard from Grandpa Tom back on the res in Oklahoma. This man had a dog, her father always began. You can't start a story that way, Piper protested. You have to say once upon a time. Dad laughed. But this is a Cherokee story. They're pretty straightforward. So anyway, this man had a dog. Every day, the man took his dog to the edge of the lake to get water. And the dog would bark furiously at the lake, like he was mad at it. Was he? Be patient, sweetheart. Finally, the man got very annoyed with his dog for barking so much. And he scolded it. Bad dog, stop barking at the water. It's only water. To his surprise, the dog looked right at him and began to talk. Our dog can say thank you, Piper volunteered, and she can bark out. Sort of, her dad agreed, but this dog spoke entire sentences. The dog said, one day soon the storms will rise, will come. The waters will rise and everyone will drown. You can save yourself and your family by building a raft, but first you will need to sacrifice me. You must throw me into the water. (gasps) That's terrible, Piper said. I would never drown my dog. The man probably said the same thing. He thought the dog was lying. I mean, once he he got over the shock that his dog could talk. When he protested, the dog said, If you don't believe me, look at the scruff off of my neck. I'm already dead. That's sad. Why are you telling me this? 
because you asked me to, her dad reminded her. And indeed, something about the story fascinated Piper. She had heard it dozens of times, but she kept thinking about it. Anyway, said her dad, the man grabbed... The man grabbed the dog by the scruff of its neck and saw that its skin and fur were already coming apart. Underneath was nothing but bones. The dog was a skeleton dog. Gross. I agree. So with tears in his eyes, the man said goodbye to his annoying skeleton dog and tossed it into the water, where it promptly sank. The man built a raft, and when the flood came, he and his family survived. Without the dog. Yes, without the dog. When the rain subsided and the raft landed, the man and his family were the only ones alive. The man heard sounds from the other side of a hill, like thousands of people laughing and dancing. But when he raced to the top, alas, down below, he saw nothing except bones littering the ground. Thousands of skeletons of all people who had died in the flood. He realized the ghosts of the dead had been dancing. That was a sound he heard. Piper waited. And? And nothing. The end. You can't end it that way. Why were the ghosts dancing? I don't know, Dad said. Your grandfather never felt the need to explain. Maybe the ghosts were happy that one family had survived. Maybe they were enjoying the afterlife. They're ghosts. Who can say? Piper was very unsatisfied with that. She had so many unanswered questions. Did the family ever find another dog? Obviously not all the dogs had drowned because she herself had a dog. She couldn't shake the story. She never looked at dogs the same way, wondering if one of them might be a skeleton dog. And she didn't understand why the family had to sacrifice their dog to survive. Sacrificing yourself to save your family seemed like a noble thing. A very dog-like thing to do. Now, in the Nephaim in Rome, as the dark water rose to her waist, Piper wondered why the river god Aklis had mentioned that story. She wished she had a raft, but she feared she was more like the skeleton dog. She was already dead. And that's the end of chapter 43. It was a very, very short chapter, but it brought just as meaning as potentially an even longer chapter. And I think the meaning behind that story is potentially going to be the key towards saving herself and saving herself and her friends from drowning in this oily-ish color liquid. So, I think, although Aklis, you know, had some emotions stored up inside of him, I think he was thinking it in the benefit of everybody. And maybe he might have, you know, been able to predict something like this may occur and provided it as something for Piper to use in future terms. So hopefully Piper can maybe pick apart a certain piece of the story later on and be able to use it as an extremely important element to saving the rest of her friends from drowning. So after the break, um, we will read chapter 44. So stay tuned for that and... Be sure to come back. And we're back from the break once again. And now we're going to read chapter 44, Piper. The basin filled with alarming speed. 
Piper, Jason, and Percy pounded on the walls, looking for an exit, but they found nothing. They climbed into the alcoves to gain some height, but with water pouring out of each niche, it was like trying to balance at the edge of a waterfall. Even as Piper stood in a niche, the water was soon up to her knees. From the floor, it was probably eight feet deep and rising fast. I could try lightning, Jason said. Maybe blast a hole in the roof. That could bring the hole down the whole room and crush us, Piper said. Or electrocute us, Percy said. Not many choices, Jason said. Let me search the bottom, Percy said. If this place was built as a fountain, there has to be a way to drain the thing. You guys, check the niches for secret exits. Maybe the seashells are knobs or something. It was a desperate idea, but Piper was glad for something to do. Percy jumped in the water. Jason and Piper climbed from niche to niche, kicking and pounding, wiggling seashells embedded in the stone, but they had no luck. Sooner than Piper expected, Percy broke the surface, gasping and flailing. She offered her hand, but he al- and he almost pulled her in before she could help him. C- couldn't breathe, he joked. The water, <coughs> not normal, hardly made it back. The life force of the nymphs, Piper thought. It was so poisoned and malicious, even a son of the sea god couldn't control it. As the water rose around her, Piper felt it affecting her too. Her leg muscles trembled like she'd been running for miles. Her hands turned wrinkled and dry, despite being in the middle of a fountain. The boys moved sluggishly. Jason's face was pale. He seemed to be having trouble holding his sword. Percy was drenched and shivering. His hair didn't look quite so dark, as if the color was leaching out. They're taking our power, Piper said, draining us. (coughs) Jason, Percy coughed. (coughs) Do the lightning. Jason raised his sword. The room rumbled, but no lightning appeared. The roof didn't break. Instead, a miniature rainstorm formed at the top of the chamber. Rain poured down, filling the fountain even faster, but it wasn't normal rain. The stuff was was just as dark as the water in the pool. Every drop stung Piper's skin. Not what I wanted, Jason said. The water was up to their necks now. Piper could feel her strength fading. Grandpa Tom's story about the water cannibals was true. Bad nymphs would steal her life. We'll survive, she murmured to herself, but she couldn't charm speak her way out of this. Soon the poisonous water would be over their heads. They'd have to swim and this stuff was already paralyzing them. They would drown, just like in the vision seats she'd seen. Percy started pushing the water away with the back of his hand like he was shooing a bad dog. Can't! Can't control it! You will need to sacrifice me, the skeleton dog had said in the story. You must throw me into the water. Piper felt like someone had grabbed the scruff of her neck and exposed the bones. She clutched her cornucopia. We can't fight this, she said. If we hold back, that just makes us weaker. What do you mean? Jason shouted over the rain. The water was up to their chins. Another few inches and they'd have to swim. But the water wasn't halfway to the ceiling yet. Piper hoped that meant they still had time. The Horn of Plenty, she said. We have to overwhelm the nymphs with fresh water. Give them more than they they can use. If we can dilute this poisonous stuff. Can your horn do that? Percy struggled to keep his head above water, which was obviously a new experience for him. He looked scared out of his mind. Only with your help. Piper was beginning to understand how the horn worked. 
The good stuff it produced didn't come from nowhere. She'd only been able to bury Hercules in groceries when she had concentrated on all her positive experiences with Jason. To create enough clean, fresh water to fill this room, she needed to go even deeper, tap her emotions even more. Unfortunately, she was losing her ability to focus. I need you both to channel everything you've got into the corticopia, she said. Percy, think about the sea. Salt water? Doesn't matter as long as it's clean. Jason, think about rainstorms. Much more rain. Both of you, hold the cornucopia. They held a huddle together as the water lifted them off their ledges. Piper tried to remember the safety le- lessons her dad had given her when they had started surfing. To help someone who's drowning, you put her, your arm around them from behind and kick your legs in front of you, moving backward like you're doing the backstroke. She wasn't sure if the same strategy could work with two other people, but she, went, she put one arm around each boy and tried to keep them afloat as they held the cornucopia between them. Nothing happened. The rain came down in sheets, still dark and acidic. Piper's legs felt like lead. The rising water swirled, threatening to pull her under. She could feel her strength fading. No good, Jason yelled, spitting water. We're getting nowhere, Percy agreed. You have to work together. Piper cried, hoping she was right. Both of you think of clean water. A storm of water. Don't hold anything back. Picture all your power, all your strength, leaving you. That's not hard, Percy said. But force it out, she said. Offer up everything, like like you're already dead. And your only goal is to help the nymphs. It's got to be a gift. A sacrifice. They got quiet at that word. Let's try again, Jason said, together. This time, Piper bent all her concentration toward the Horn of Plenty as well. The nymphs wanted her youth, her life, her voice. Fine. She gave it up willingly and imagined all of her power flooding out of her. I'm already dead, she told herself, as calm as a skeleton dog. This is the only way. Clear water blasted from the Horn with such force it pushed them against the wall. The rain changed to a white torrent, so clean and cold it made Piper gasp. It's working, Jason cried. Too well, Percy said. We're filling the room even faster. He was right. The water rose so quickly, the roof was now only a few feet away. Piper could have reached up and touched some miniature rain clouds. Don't stop, she said. We have to dilute the poison until the nymphs are cleansed. What if they can't be cleansed? Jason asked. They've been down here turning evil for thousands of years. Just don't hold back. Piper said, give everything, even if we go under or head hit the ceiling. The rain clouds dissipated and melted into the water. The horn of plenty kept blasting out a clean torrent. Piper pulled Jason closer and kissed him. I love you, she said. The wars just poured out of her like the water from the cornucopia. She couldn't tell what his reaction was because then they were underwater. She held her breath. The current roared in her ears. Bubbles swirled around her. Light still rippled through the room. And Piper was surprised she could see it. Was the water getting clear? Her lungs were about to burst, but Piper poured her last energy into the cornucopia. Water continued to stream out, though there was no room for more. Would the walls crack under the pressure? Piper's vision went dark. She thought the roar in her ears was her own dying heartbeat. Then she realized the room was shaking. The water swirled faster. 
Piper felt herself sinking. With her last strength, she kicked upward. Her head broke the surface and she gasped for breath. The cornucopia stopped. The water was draining almost as fast as it filled the room. With a cry of alarm, Piper realized that Perry, Percy's, and Percy's and Jason's faces were still underwater. She hoisted them up. Instantly, Percy gulped and began to thrash, but Jason was as lifeless as a ragdoll. Piper clung to him. She yelled his name, shook him, and slapped his face. She barely noticed when all the water had drained away and left them on the damp floor. Jason! She tried desperately to think. Should she turn him on on his side? Slap his back? Piper, Percy said. I can help. He knelt next to her and touched Jason's forehead. Water gushed from Jason's mouth. His eyes flew open and a clap of thunder threw Percy and Piper backward. When when Piper's vision cleared, she she saw Jason sitting up, still gasping, but the color was coming back to his face. Sorry. (coughs) He coughed. Didn't mean to. Piper tackled him with a hug. She would have kissed him, but she didn't want to suffocate him. Percy grinned. In case you were wondering, that was clean water in your lungs. I could make it come out with no problem. Thanks, man. Jason clasped his hand weakly. But I think Piper's the real hero. She saved us all. Yes, she did. A voice echoed through the chamber. The niches glowed. Nine figures appeared, but they were no longer withered creatures. They were young, beautiful nymphs in shimmering blue gowns. Their glossy black curls pinned up with silver and gold brooches. brooches. Their eyes were gentle shades of blue and green. As Piper watched, eight of the nymphs dissolved into vapor and floated upward. Only the nymph in the center remained. Hagno? Piper asked. The nymph smiled. Yes, my dear. I didn't think such selflessness existed in mortals. Especially in demigods. No offense. Percy got to his feet. How could we take offense? You just tried to drown us and suck out our lives. Hagna winced. Sorry about that. I was not myself, but you have reminded me of the sun and the rain and the streams and the meadows. Percy and Jason, thanks to you, I remembered the sea and the sky. I am cleansed, but most mostly thanks to Piper. She shared something even better than clear running water. Hagno turned to her. You have a good nature, Piper, and I'm a nature spirit. I know what I'm talking about. Hagno pointed to the other side of the room. The stairs to the surface reappeared. Directly underneath, a circular opening shimmered into existence. Like a sewer pipe, just big enough to crawl through. Piper suspected this was how the water had drained out. You may return to the surface, Hagno said. Or, if you insist, you may follow the waterway to the giants, but choose quickly because both doors will fade soon after I'm gone. That pipe connects to the old aqueduct line, which feeds both this nephaeum and the hypogeum that the giants call home. Ugh, Percy pressed on his temples. Please, no more complicated words. Oh, home is not a complicated word. Hagnos sounded completely sincere. I thought it was. But now you have unbound us from this place. My sisters have gone to seek new homes. A mountain street, perhaps, or a lake in a meadow. I will follow them. I cannot wait to see the forests and grasslands again. And the clear, running water. Uh, Percy said nervously. Things have uh, changed up above in the last few thousand years. Nonsense, Hagno said. 
how bad would it could it be? Pan would not allow nature to become tainted. I can't wait to see him, in fact. Percy looked like he wanted to say something, but he stopped himself. Good luck, Hagno, Piper said, and thank you. The nymph smiled one last time and vaporized. Briefly, the nephaeum glowed with a softer light. Like a full moon, Piper smelled exotic spices and blooming roses. She heard distant music and happy voices talking and laughing. She guessed she was hearing hundreds of years of parties and celebrations that had been yell held at the shrine in ancient times. As if the memories had been freed along with the spirits. What is that? Jason asked nervously. Piper slipped her hand into his. The ghosts are dancing. Come on, we'd better go meet the giants. And that's the end of chapter 44. So, as we predicted, the story was able to come and help her out. So, you know, in the end, I think as I was reading that, I genuinely thought that Piper was going to actually sacrifice herself. Because, you know, in the story, the dog sacrifices itself because it's already, you know, lost its life, life source. So, I was uh, my thought was that it was Piper that was going to actually sacrifice herself so that Jason and Percy could survive. But luckily, that cornucopia was also there and it was able to keep the rest uh, keep all of them alive and safe and hopefully they'll be able to rescue Nico sooner s- soon enough. Um so that's it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the three chapters. I know I don't usually do that, but since this is chapter 40, um, 43 was pretty short, I just wanted to add an extra chapter in there as well. A um, few things before I end this episode. Uh, I'm going to give some shout outs out, as well as um, I have been seeing some comments about my coughing. Um, yes, I am fine. It's just that Sometimes I talk without um, a break, and occasionally that just makes me choke, you know, with my own um, saliva, and that just makes me choke on myself. But thank you guys for your concerns. I am fine, so (laughs) don't worry about that. Um, Moving on, uh, let's get these shoutouts started. Um, I think I will just go ahead and shout out um get the shout outs going um felix uh lenny um let's see this one is a long one but bear with me (laughs) uh three c h c q s two y l z six f u f W-X-A-I-E for SLV65. Pretty interesting username. Um, I hope uh, I do know I did realize that you asked me to potentially give you a different name. I'm sorry. I hope I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to shout out your, your preferred name in the next episode. Um, Connor G is in the house. Uh... Devora, Hugo, Sharpstar, um, Luca, Maggie, uh, 
Kartik Fogut, uh, Plupus One, Mari, Lips MC Slips, Celeste, Ishu, Lucas McLean, Susie, Kim Jenny Ani Two Six, Adele. Uh, Rose, uh, Prezzo, Lackland, Career Tuna, 4552, um, I think that's it, but if I missed your name, um, go ahead and just, you know, let me know so that I'll be sure to mention you guys in the next episode. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. And um, before we go, uh, once again, if you guys would like to sort of show some extra support, my Patreon is located in the description of this podcast. So um, be sure to check that out. Again, it's totally optional, but we'll be really appreciated if you could do so. Uh, thank you guys for what uh, for everything. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as me. And yeah, until next week. Stay safe and stay out of boredom.